0: what's up what's up it's your boy AT and your boy AE coming to you live and direct with another episode of bars rhymes and life where we break down the bars relate to the rhymes so we can shed light on our lives welcome to another episode of bars rhymes and life alan how's your sleep going not too bad not too bad not having insomniac dreams by any chance <laughs> so for those that are listening this week today's tunes by an artist or a set of artists called a dot capital d d plus and the tunes called Insomniac Dreamings, And I apologize for spelling the name or announcing the name of this group like this. I just don't know how to pronounce... I don't know what they're called. So I just thought it's better to just sound it out sonically and that way I can't be rinsed for getting it wrong. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Alan. I mean, I can't help.
1: I I figured since you suggested the song, you'd have all the intel, but <laughs> I I've never... I'm not going to lie, never heard of this artist. I looked at it and I was like, no clue. But nonetheless, still enjoyed the track. So I'm interested to hear the genesis of this one.
0: Right. So Genesis, this song came to me through Spotify because I heard an instrumental by a producer called Black Milk and the song that the instrumental is called When the Sky Falls. When I heard this instrumental, don't ask me why, but I decided to write some bars to it. And I told myself, I'm going to fucking make a rap tune to this song. <laughs> and I did this two years ago. And Wait, is this you? Is this song by you? No, this song is not by <laughs> me. <laughs> Definitely not me. I am nowhere near as talented as these guys. Or even like a smidgen <laughs> close to these dudes. But the only two people that actually got quarter or half of a rendition of my bars was my boy ae and my other boy sc we met up around kent in your flat and we were smoking a cigar outside of audi and i was spitting bars to you and that was the instrumental that i was playing in the background and um ah. and you remember it now right yeah so this was two years ago but no one and i will reiterate this for the millionth time no one will ever hear the song that i made it is for me and me only and the only reason i shared it to you guys is cuz i was in the middle of writing it at the time and i just got really excited about writing lyrics to a to, to an instrumental i heard and i think the algorithm just picked up i think the algorithm just picked up this instrumental that i'd listened to almost almost like 200 times in the space of a month cuz i was just playing it on repeat practicing my bars right and it sent this tune my way because it was produced by black milk now as far as i'm aware just with a little bit of history because i thought obviously do pay some respect to the dude that dude that brought this song to me uh black milk's relatively still current he's got production highlights with kendrick lamar he's got production highlights with earl sweatshirt so he's legit man and i wanted to say shout out to black milk because as much as i don't know a d double d plus i know black milk and everything that he's produced is fire and actually, I really enjoyed this tune. I actually thought this was a sick tune. It's really different. I know people will not have heard of it because I haven't heard of it myself. But I got a lot out of it. So that's why I picked the tune this week.
1: Nice. Well,
0: you're up first. Get a scoop, a double dose of it, basking in the ambiance of robbing another. Uh, get a scoop, a double dose of it, basking in the ambiance of robbing another. Isn't it so weird that we are so inclined to remember the bad that we've done in our life? rather than the fun but more sensible stuff. Basking in the ambience of robbing another. Whenever you think about the bad things you've done sometimes, or horrible things that you've experienced, you do bask in the ambience of it. You do seem to remember it and highlight it and have way more definition over the negative things that you've experienced or even put onto another person, rather than all the good sensible things that we've done in our lives. And I did, I grabbed that from this line and I did a little bit of research. So research, Abby was back in the house again. Research shows whether an event is pleasurable or aversive seems to be a critical determinant of the accuracy with which the event is remembered, with negative events being remembered in greater detail than positive ones. For example, after seeing a man on the street holding a gun, people remember the gun vividly, but they forget the details of the street. So I just like that. It's just, a, it's an interesting line. And there's a few more interesting lines to, to come, but I just liked that that feeling. And I was like, it's true, man. You do bask in the ambience of doing wrong things sometimes. Think of the times when we remember how we've locked our teachers into the, the, their own like maths room cupboards and stuff. You, just, <laughs> you go, why do I remember that? But I don't remember the A that I got for a project or something. It's crazy how we always reminisce about all the stupid stuff we've done not not necessarily the great yet sensible things we've done
1: there must be some emotion attached to those things and i think that emotions that are attached to memories make those memories more easy to recall or make them stronger and so it might be the sense of excitement you had at the time or it might even be like a sense of shame looking back at something stupid you did that makes it stick with you Like, I would 100% agree with you on you remembering all those stupid things that you did back in the day. They always just come back to you. And like you said, remembering the good things is so much harder.
0: Yeah, definitely. Who's next, bro? You're up again. Make one scream for the unseen, unfortunately. Hands don't raise, but still I get praise.
2: Make one scream for the unseen, unfortunately. Hands don't raise, but I still get praise.
0: So I think the second line is alluding to being at church and those church gatherings that I've seen on TVs or movies. At times, people raise their hands to receive praise from the Lord. For me, though, this second line reminds me about school in some ways. Sadly, and I say sadly for me and me personally, how much I used to raise my hands when I had to answer questions. (laughs) Wrong or right, Alan, I know you remember, isn't it? I always felt like I had to raise my hand to answer a question just to get the lesson moving. So you know you get that feeling when a teacher wants just an uh, open question to the rest of the class. Abby's always whacking his hand up, whether he whether he knew the answer or not, right? Because I was I always felt like I was in a rush at school. It was like hurry up, I need the, like no one else seems to be wanting to answer this question. No one wants to no one wants to answer the question. I'm just gonna put my hand up and I, I don't care. And especially Alan, Alan. Alan was the worst. Yeah, if, if a teacher asked a question out there and, you know, I don't know, what's four times four, if you turned around expecting Alan to put his hands up, you might as well just wait for hell to freeze over, because his hand was never going up, right? The reason why I say sadly, for regards to myself, is because as much as I did okay at school, I definitely didn't hit the maximal potential, and there were students in my class that stayed quiet, knew their shit. And never rose their hands. They, they never ever raised their hands. But the grades they got, in turn, got the praise. So their hands didn't raise, but they got the praise. Because they got the grades at the end of the day. So I just want to say shout out to all the kids that don't raise their hands. But actually know what they're studying and gain knowledge to excel. That's what, that's what I like. And that's that's how the way I put it.
1: It's a fair point. But also, I reckon to everyone else, they're thinking... Abby's the MVP because he's getting this class moving. Like someone's <laughs> got to do it. Like they're just like, oh, thank God, Abby is answering these questions because I'm not answering these
0: questions, man. <laughs> but you do it uh, honestly. I look back and I think I just did it. at the, I sometimes think I did it at the expense of myself because you do get a sense of confidence when you become that dude, the guy that answers, always raises hand. But still, like, like, you know, I got praise. I know I got praise for it. I know the teacher would be like, oh, he's really smart. He tries to answer all the questions. Oh, he's got all the effort. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, he's really confident. But really, did I actually know everything? I'll be honest, deep down, personally, probably not.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No one knows everything. No one knows everything. But You
0: know know those teachers
1: appreciated it. Yeah.
0: But I wish I was actually, looking back, and I, I guess, you know, some people, some children or some people would be like, I wish I was more like Abby, but I at the time wish I was more like them, that I stayed in <laughs> studio, stayed quiet and actually got the maximal potential of my grades rather than getting, you know, hit, not hitting my potential because I was too busy raising my hands up, going, wait, it's Abby here, it's Abby, here? Abby answering all the questions, fucking dickhead guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so who's next, Alan? I'm up next. So every
1: day I dip like it's my last, hoping that this feeling of wrong won't last too long.
0: So
2: every day I dip like it's my last, hoping that this feeling of wrong won't last too long.
0: Snap on the second line there, bro. It's a really cool set of lines, this. I think
1: the idea of living every day like it's your last is one of those things that's actually really easier said than done. It's a a nice idea, but it's so hard to actually think and live like that. When you're trying to plan like any kind of long-term strategy, like, I don't know, buying a house or learning a skill. If today was my last day, I certainly wouldn't have gone to work this morning. But I did. <laughs> yeah, right. That's so true. I, I, because I had to, because, you know, you've all got responsibilities for this and that. And the idea of living every day like it's your last is nice, but for most people, entirely impractical. And the second part of that line, hoping this feeling wrong, won't last too long, I think it's the opposite of that. It's super relatable. I know there's been like various times where if I'm like not in a good headspace and you're just like, oh, how long is this going to go on for? And it feels almost external to you, like it's something that's a bit out of your control, which is how it comes across in this line. And I think it's an interesting a sort of a duality in the way that we talk about mental health versus physical health. Now, you talked about your knee being injured. That's not an obvious physical injury. Where We talk about mental health. is something entirely separate. And I can see why we do that. But I don't think it's super helpful. Because in reality, your physical well-being affects your mental well-being and vice versa. Like, they're, they're symbiotic. There's such a strong link between the two. So, I find it helpful sometimes to think, for example, if I'm having a bit of a off day, What does this feel like physically? Like, how does it actually, because there is a physical feeling to it, whether it's just feeling a bit deflated or slumped, it has a physical manifestation. And it's a really interesting way of kind of analyzing it and thinking about it, not necessarily to cure it or get rid of it or anything, but just to help you understand it a bit. So yeah, that's something relatable I took from this line.
0: Yeah, I snapped you on that second line. And we're kind of parallel to each other on, on, the, on our definitions of the line or our thoughts on the line. But I kind of started off with, Alan, have you ever felt like this? So I would, if I got the line first, <laughs> I would ask you the question. And what I, what I wanted to put it as was just, just where something with regards to your girl, a loved one, a friend, where you're either together for the fuck of it, peer pressured into doing or going somewhere that you really didn't want to, but you kind of just went with the flow and that feeling of wrong sits inside you, and you just kind of hope it'll go away. I've felt that quite a few times in my life, bro, I ain't gonna lie, and sadly, I think some people may have felt that with being with me, and it's, it's harsh, and it's weird, because I think when I reflect back, I think there's been so many opportunities in my life where I've realised that the person is feeling, with being with me anyway, at least, they're hoping that they're, this feeling of being, feeling wrong won't last too long. And I've actually recognized that I might be the cause of that feeling. And yet, I just let it drag out. I knew it, it, it unsettled me. So someone might feel it first, they might feel like the, this feeling of wrong won't last too long. And all of a sudden, it starts making you feel like Actually I don't feel like this feeling of wrong should last you long and you're both in this situation where you're just like together for the fuck of it. Could there could there be anything worse? Do you know do you know what I mean? And it's kind of yeah, like I do. it's such a weird feeling because I feel like it challenges your own ego because all of a sudden you go, well, I ain't the problem, it can't be me. <laughs> yeah? And and the flip side is it feels so harsh if it's the other way around. So if it's the feeling that I'm feeling the wrong won't last too long because I'm not kind of feeling this person that I'm with, you kind of go, no, no, eventually it'll get better or eventually it'll settle or eventually we'll be okay because I refuse to address the issue because it feels like I'll be too harsh to address the issue. And so I really connected with this line exactly as you said, in a really dualistic way, because you're on one side of the fence and there's been times where I've been on the other side of the fence too. And it's 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 rough either way, whichever way you think about it.
1: Yeah, I think everyone's probably had some version of that at some point or another. It's a really interesting take
0: on it. Right, who's next? Me. Jumping out every window screaming message.
2: Jumping out of every window screaming message.
0: Oh my god. So this story in some some regards is kinda legendary. I don't know if you remember this, Alan. Again, this is going back. I had a free yard and I still can't believe to this day how many people we had over in my front room. There must have been at least 10 of us, probably more, where we were in my front room and off this tiny square Panasonic TV, we all watched Don't Be a Menace in South Central While Drinking Juice in the Hood. Mm. And there is this, what? there's one of the Wynum brothers, I think it's the older Wyden brother, he pops out every every time, ra- for some random reason, screaming, MESSAGE! It is like a gun. And you wanna load it
2: up with little itty-bitty
0: bullets of knowledge.
2: MESSAGE!
0: That's what these lines have to be alluding to. They have to be alluding to that. That scene inside of um, Dolby a Menace* that that's it's got to be that, and it just could...
1: I don't even remember that scene. I'll,
0: I'll say I'll send it to you on YouTube, and the fans will <laughs> listen to it, and it'll be like, "What the hell?" I just connected to it straight away, and I was like, "It's got to be that that particular scene. It's got to be."
1: All right, I'm up. My mind moving too fast, but still arrived too late. Virgo with the mind of a Gemini, we straight.
2: My mind moving too fast, but still arrived too late. Virgo with the mind of a Gemini, we straight.
0: A half a snap on the first line, and I went one line after. But bars. I really like this
1: one. I guess, speaking of our teachers and not answering questions, I thought I would just take the opportunity to give a little apology to my old English teacher for always showing up to her class, like halfway through the lesson, and then just sitting at the back and doing nothing. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
2: it's just, it makes me
0: laugh so much yeah because i always felt the comedy of it every time you walked in like that was just the thing isn't it you were gonna turn up half an hour late and i was gonna give you a load of shit for it and then you know and everyone stopped that just became the thing that was the normal thing wasn't it
1: that was just like the routine i would walk in halfway through the lesson the teacher in the end just got tired of even acknowledging it would be like okay yeah here, here you are halfway through the lesson but I just want to say to, to that teacher, it wasn't personal. Your class just happened to come at the time that I arrived at school, you know, around second or third period. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't anything about your That
2: is the worst apology ever.
1: <laughs> it could have been any lesson, but that was just the time I was waking up at that at that period. And it's funny, we were talking about having trouble sleeping just before we started recording. When I was a teenager, I could never get to sleep. I would stay awake all night, then go to sleep at like six in the morning or, you know, just like say, rock up to school at midday. I just could never get to sleep. Part of it was because my mind would race at night. I've always found it hard to switch off my thoughts. And it doesn't need to be even anything like deep or intellectual thought. It could just be remembering an old conversation or reciting some song lyrics or just any kind of nonsense. But whatever it is, it keeps me awake. Like at the moment, what I do is I'll put on like a a podcast or a long YouTube video with just talking in the background because it will distract me enough that I can go to sleep without necessarily having to listen to what's being said. So this idea of your mind moving too fast but still arrive too late, I felt, I felt this one in a, in a real way.
0: Sick connection there. Not only did you connect the bars to a memory, it also intertwines with the, the title Insomniac Dreaming. Because you were in insomnia exactly. at uh, a teenage age. That's bars, Alan. That's bars from you, bro. That's, that's a wicked insight, <laughs> man. Love that. That's amazing. I snapped you for Virgo with the mind of a Gemini. We stray. Two heads are always better than one. And I was referring to the second line. And it was just a big thank you to you, bro. A massive thank you to you. Two heads are always better than one. Trying to achieve everything yourself is tough, is exhausting. And is usually not as productive as collaborative efforts. And what we've done with this, it's just so powerful. It's so, it's so validating to myself with regards to what I think about work, what working life should be, what working relationships should be like. We we we've got this huge thing, massive taglines: leadership, collaboration, empathy, resilience. Oh, these are all the things you need to display to be a successful person and a successful manager, and all. And you know, I just think it's such a load of fucking bullshit, man. You just need <laughs> two people on a level. I still can't believe how much we've achieved. We don't. We don't outsource any of this. This is all in house. I've learnt stuff from you. You've learnt stuff from me. We've we've gone away and learned stuff. We've done things together. Has either of us in this particular friendship slash relationship gone being like, he's the leader and I'm not? Oh, no, Alan, Alan, sorry, we're going to have to have a conference call meeting and we're going to talk about who's taking the lead over how we're going to write (laughs) lyrics. Like, it's just a load of faff, isn't it? It's just a load of bullshit. And I just think Virgo with the mind, even though I'm not a Virgo or a Gemini, but I know me and you are straight and two heads are better than one, man. I just want to say thank you for being my partner on this, on this, on this thing that we're doing, bro. Appreciate that,
1: man. You reminded me, I am a Virgo and that's why I left that line in, but I forgot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sick. Bars.
1: No, I totally agree with you on that, man. It's like you said, if you don't have to have like your, your weekly one-to-one with your manager or your, your three month review or your six month review, it's one of the least favorite things about what work for me is those kind of interactions. Like you said, this just, this is much
0: better <laughs> so much better you're up again they dreams chasing them but they run n words is dumb y'all continue to have fun my message is none
2: they dreams chasing them but they run niggas is dumb y'all continue to have fun my message is i don't
0: none. really drawn to this line alan their dreams are chasing them but they run it's true isn't it how many people dream of maybe telling their horrible manager to fuck off or dream about some ignorant racist twat where you just want to literally spark someone out forget the negative things that I've mentioned like I've mentioned negative examples there what if I mentioned like imagine dreaming about someone and telling them that you like them or knowing that you've worked really hard and you dream about getting that promotion but the situation appears and in reality you run because you dream about things and you dream about doing things and when that situation appears itself right there for you to take the opportunity most people choose to run they don't take the opportunity so you you kind of feel a sort of re- reserveness or a shyness to maybe asking for that promotion or potentially addressing a confrontational situation to, to put someone straight and most people say it's not worth the hassle so their dreams are chasing them but they run and I think a lot of people do fall into that category including myself at times it's not it's not a case like, like I think I'm different to it I don't want to be as crude as a double d plus and call these people dumb But I will say that if you don't chase some of your dreams, especially dreams that are actually quite attainable, little things like asking for a promotion, asking for a pay rise, asking for maybe a cut in your hours or asking for a bit of flexibility so that you could maybe pick your kids up or or not, then nothing will change. If you you don't chase the dream, then nothing will change for you. So like plus, you all can have your fun because my message is none. Because sometimes I truly believe convincing people to do anything, especially like chase your dreams is pointless. Hence their message and mine is none.
1: Yeah, it's it's really relatable that line. I definitely think I've been that person as well. It's such a, it's such an easy response to change is to run. Even if it's good change, it sounds like he's talking about essentially self-sabotage, right? It's like you're, Thing, things are here for you and you're and you're pushing them away or you're go you're going in a different direction and it's it's probably something everyone does at some point but it, like you said it's really hard really hard to to tell other people that it's some one of those things that you kind of have to learn on your own
0: and i think it shows a lot of objectivity by the guy who wrote this lines in regards to the fact that he goes my message is none because if i said to you three four years ago alan i really interested in doing a podcast. I'm really interested in making music. or I'm really interested in being a rapper. And you go, well, all right, fine. Chase your dreams, Abby. Go chase your dreams. Go do, go away and do this. Go away and do that. Yeah, I ain't doing none of it. I ain't doing none of it. Like, <laughs> you're better off just saying nothing. And that will either maybe lead me to go and do it or not. So I, I like the objectivity of the line as well. I think it, I think it was sick. Cool.
1: I'm up next. Just started writing... Didn't know where to begin. Jot a couple lines, then start over again, then again.
2: Just started writing, didn't know where to begin. Jot a couple lines, then start over again, then again. Man, I think anyone who's
1: ever tried writing or any kind of creative pursuit knows this feeling. I know I've had this feeling where you just you're looking at your blank page and you just think, where do I start? I think about this a lot because I always talk about my favorite opening lines. And I think the reason I appreciate opening lines so much is because I think I know how difficult it is to really just start writing and to put something down and to be like, okay, I'm I'm settled on that line. I'm okay with it without having to keep going back, rewrite it, and it sound a bit different. It's just one of the hardest things to do in writing is to get that first line. And so when it's done well, I really, really appreciate it. This idea of, starting over again and again it kind of makes me think that sometimes you do just need to you just need to keep doing the thing whether you're writing or drawing or whatever the thing is that you're trying to do is you keep doing it even though it's a bit rubbish you just keep doing it until something sticks and makes sense and I think that's a good way of approaching those kind of things it's like I'm going to do it even when it's not working I'm going to keep doing it
0: I think when you start with anything that I like to quote unquote call creative. You're right. It's just such a it's such a personal thing, but you're trying to share it to the masses. Of course, you want it to be validated in some sort of way. So you constantly think about what other people might think about it, and I think it takes a real massive skill to be able to be really confident with what you've just written. It's re- it's a really difficult thing, and so you do write again and again and i think i don't know if it's the line before if you mentioned it in the the bars about the timings right the times right (laughs) in regards to my bars that i wrote it's it's so hard to get timing to fit to musicality Mm. and to change rhythms and when you try to write bars like rhymes or raps and then you try to put it to music this is when you're level for people like Earl Sweatshirt, Kendrick Lamar, A double D plus, all these artists that we mentioned. You do not understand the intricacies that are involved in changing synonyms, changing sounds, changing rhythms. It's difficult. And Lupe and Kendrick take it to a whole nother level. It's beyond comprehension. And so I like the whole set of lines as a whole. It's amazing.
1: Definitely.
0: You're up again. Is the Lime of Light gonna shine tonight? Is the Lime of Light gonna shine tonight? Favourite line of track alert. Because how often do famous people just fucking end up bitter about their fame? The Lime of Light is bitter, right? Bars. That's all I have to say. Lime is bitter. I've, how many times have you heard the word limelight? Oh, he loves the limelight. She loves the limelight. Have you ever, ever took the time to dissect that word lime light lime is bitter <laughs> oh man that's bars that's straight up bars don't need no other explanation bro
1: that one went over my head <laughs> you're
0: up love is tough when it's about the peace i use it for improvement others use it to cease. i live for it they die by it love is tough when about the peace i use it for improvement others use it to decease i live for it they die by I might need some help and direction from you here, Alan. Love is tough when it's about peace. I use it for improvement. Others use it to decease. To establish peace in a society, you may have to kill people. In most cases, as collateral. This is so fucking oxymoronic when you think about it, right?
1: Yes, it's just war argument.
0: It's just mad, isn't it? I, and then when you look at that you break that line down love is tough when it's about peace i use it for improvement I use it for disease you have to kill people to create peace to create a loving society you have to kill people it's the most unpeaceful thing that you can possibly do i just find that like such a head fuck sometimes right now I want to be clear, I did a lot of reading on this because it really did hurt, hurt my head a bit. And I've come to the conclusion that we are living in the most peaceful times ever on a world level. I know it's not perfect, and I don't speak for places like Syria and other places like that that are really going through some fucking fucked up shit. So take my words with a pinch of salt that I, I'm saying it with some sort of context and some sort of worldview because I've actually taken some effort. But on the whole, I read up on this massive data set that I went through and I even learned a new word called politicide. You ever heard of politicide?
1: No, I can guess what it means.
0: <laughs> politicide is the deliberate physical destruction or elimination of a group whose members share the main characteristics of belonging to a political movement. It is a type of political repression and one of the means which is used to politically cleanse populations with another means being forced migration. It may be compared to genocide or ethnic cleansing, both of which involve the killing of people based on their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group rather than their adherence to a particular political ideology. The term politicide is used to describe the killing of groups that would not otherwise be covered by the genocide convention. I find that, again, pretty interesting and really crazy. Horrible. Horrible truths, but truths are horrible at times. But I found that interesting that I'd learned that and I went through this massive data set and I'm more than happy to send it to you, um, Alan, if you want afterwards. But I wanted to say a massive shout out to Max Rosa and Max is the founder and director of a particular website or a product called Our World in Data. And at the end of this huge data set, the conclusion was education around the world is improving. And it was shown by this map, shown by the difference in literacy between the young and the old generation. And based on the evidence shown in this presentation, we might be optimistic about the continuing rise of political freedom and the decline of violence around the world. So I hope we're going to get to a place where we don't need to kill people to create peace. That peace will be able to be done through I don't know, diplomacy and speaking and all those kind of things. I just, I thought it was an incredible bar. And when a bar makes me go and do some research like that, and that was a massive data set. It was, it had really interesting stuff. It had, uh, I started off with a question of how many people have died in wars? And I went, and this Mm -hmm. popped up and this was really comprehensive. And it it really highlighted like, you know, pre-1945, we lived in a really, really, really violent world. Really violent world. And, you know, all this kind of stuff just starts to add a little bit of layers and knowledge and useful knowledge, thoughtful knowledge that helps you create a picture in your head that goes, yeah, what I see in Syria is horrible and what I see in a number of countries is mashup. There's like some serious mashup things going on. But at the same time, within the grand scheme of maybe a century we are living in like probably the most peaceful times ever.
1: Yeah. I think statistically we probably are in terms of violent deaths living in the most peaceful time, which is, is is worth reflecting on. You can always, you can always acknowledge the bad things, but also it's worthwhile acknowledging the good things too. All about balance, bro. I'm up. I triumph through expeditions I would never think I made it but now like fuck it I hate it but I love attention. I
2: expeditions. I never thunk it. I made it but now like fuck it I hate it but love attention.
1: I thought this is an interesting observation because sometimes the thing that you crave might not be what you expected and you might even end up hating it. I thought that this second line I made it but now I'm like fuck it I hate it but I love attention. There's a real conflict there. And I kind of related to it because I think there's a dichotomy about not liking, but also craving attention. I think a lot of performers feel some version of this. I've heard stand-up comedians talk about this, about how they love the limelight, as it were, but they also hate it because of the pressure it brings. And so they want to perform, but also they don't like performing. They want the feedback of people seeing their show, but also they're worried about the feedback. And so this is real dichotomy of like, ah, I want the spotlight. I don't want it. I, I want the intention, but I don't want it. And I feel like that's what's happening here. It's like, I've made it, but now I'm like, ah, I hate it, but I love the attention. It's, it's just, I really find that conflict really relatable.
0: Nice. Yeah. Really interesting stuff there. I, honestly, I'm I'm impressed by this track. I wasn't I sure what you were going to, I wasn't sure. I I'm always get a bit dubious when I throw curveballs at you and I think, oh, I don't know if he's going to grab many lines out of this, but you you know, in fairness, you've grabbed quite a few lines <laughs> out of it. So I'm quite, I'd assume you like the track in some respects because we've, we've done things on the Lost Tape where you've had like two lines because you just, not, you haven't grabbed as much from the tune <laughs> that of my selection. So like, no, it's sick. You're up. I'm forced to ask this genie why me, I ain't asked for that, asthma attacks, I just want to
2: genie,
0: just wanna breathe. If you were, let's say 20 years old and you found a magic lamp, not everyone, but I, I assume a lot of people might say something along the lines of, I just want to be famous, I just want to be in the limelight, you know, it's a natural thing, right, that's what people do when they when you're young, it is, it's is—it's not my necessarily everyone's dream, but a lot of people dream about being famous. This line really cuts me because I think about George Floyd having the limelight shone on him in the worst way. How fucking bitter must it be for his family to feel that he shone a light and reiterated the bitter truth on how the timeless story of people being unfairly treated and getting fucking killed for no reason in that country he didn't ask for that he just wanted to breathe damn i I just bars isn't it like it's it's crazy how you know how last week we talked about kendrick and he described it word for word 10 years ago and although this isn't word for word i just feel like you know some people might ask for fame And if you asked George Floyd when he was 20, we could make you famous. You're going to be one of the most famous people in the whole world for a really, really long time. He probably would have said yes, but he didn't know the context of it all. And he didn't know what was going to happen. And again, it still makes me sick that it had to take that and that body of evidence for him to shine the lime of light on the bitter truth, which is what's going on in that country with regards to institutional hate violence and murders that they have to they have to deal with and it, it's just so accurate it's so accurate
1: yeah that's a it's a real grim thought that you're going to be famous but this is why it's real grim
0: europe i don't want to be famous i just want to be well off keep my bank account banging take the care of those i care about Fuck a maybach we just swing in the lack right these are the thoughts of a black insomniac God damn.
2: But I don't wanna be famous, I just wanna be well-off. Keep my take care of those I care Fuck a Maybach, we just keep the leg. Right. Black and God God
0: Really I just wanted to focus on the first two lines. I just can't fully relate. I, I turned 31, Alan, and all this I'd say immature thoughts or immature thinking of who I am with regards to my identity, who I wanted to be, what I wanted to be really has refined itself into a thought of I don't want to be famous, I just want to be well off. I want to keep my bank account banging so I can take care of those I care about. If there's one single thing that I want to identify myself with at this present moment of time is just that, that I just want to be financially independent enough to look after those that I care about. That's all that really matters to me at this present moment of time. I don't want to be famous, I don't want to be super-duper rich. I don't want to be a billionaire. I don't want to be a CEO. I don't want to be anything. I just want to be th- that particular thing, which is be well enough to take care of those people that I care about. And I hope ADD plus achieve that for themselves. And I hope that anyone else is on that vibe, achieves that for themselves too. Nice. Yeah, it's
1: definitely something something more meaningful to aspire to, isn't it?
0: Definitely. Way, way more better than... I don't know whatever it was that I was. I don't. Know, my twenties is such a blur, isn't it? <laughs> I don't even know what I. I didn't even know who I was back then. But yeah, that that's basically it, bro. I just want to thank all of AWT plus fans. Shout out to Black Milk and all Black Milk's fans. Shout out to all the BRL fans. Nothing but love to you, Alan. One peace.